Now dig this, Matt. Y'all know I love stationery. Y'all know I love to take notes. I love to write. I love to write on paper. I love to write notebooks. Matt, what'd you get me for Christmas this year? I got you notebooks and pens and organizers. Correct. I love it. Uh, And I find that it genuinely helps me remember things better as opposed to typing them or like putting them on a, like a text file or whatever, actually writing something down physically helps me a lot. It helps me organize my thoughts. It helps me get my work done. And ever since I got my new uh, iPad and I got the Apple pencil with it, I have been doing that on there and that's great. The only problem I've had with it, it doesn't quite feel like writing on paper, which is a feeling I like. We have the solution to that problem. That's right. Paper-like. As I mentioned at the top of the show, it's a screen protector for your iPad. It uses a proprietary technology called NanoDots. With those NanoDots, you feel the natural resistance of paper on your iPad screen. It is a paper-like feeling on your iPad. So if you're drawing, if you're taking notes, if you're using your iPad like you would a notebook... Here's the way for it to really feel natural. And Chris, I know you love that. You you have an iPad, you got a paper like, and I'm sure it's it feels just right for you. It does. It feels great to use. Also, Matt, you know I'm very particular about paper. I have yes. specific brands of notebooks that I will and will not use, and paper like feels good on the iPad. Uh they also make accessories for the pencil to make the pencil a little more comfortable to hold. They make uh, accessories to help you clean the iPad as well. They've got it all. The ability to handwrite notes in a digital form is great to begin with, but getting that extra tactile feeling that makes me happy while I do it, (laughs) that gives me that little dopamine, that little serotonin burst that I like to have, is fantastic. The latest version of the Paperlike is manufactured in Switzerland using high-quality plastic foils designed for maximum picture clarity. You're not going to lose any of the definition of your iPad screen if you put a paper-like on there. And these foils are developed exclusively for paper-like products. It also always comes in a set of two, so you have a spare. Look, we know a lot of artists listen to this show. If you're an artist and you're looking for a way to make drawing on your iPad feel a little bit better... This is how you do it. So, to pick up your Paperlike, head over to paperlike.com slash Ajax, click Buy Paperlike, and select your iPad size. From now, right now, until the end of January, Paperlike is also including their Digital Pro Planner Bundle at no extra cost for every order placed through the Paperlike store. Plus, shipping is completely free. So if you're ready to do more with your iPad, head over to paperlike.com slash Ajax, to get started. Clytus, I'm bored. What plaything can you offer me today? That's more Rocket Ajax to bring back his body. Hello everybody and welcome to War Rocket Ajax. This is the internet's most explosive comic book and pop culture podcast, and we are your hosts. My name is Chris Sims. With me, as always, is Matt Wilson. Matt, how are you? Chris, I am doing uh, very well. How are you? 
I'm doing good. I feel accomplished because I've come up with something and I don't know. I honestly do not know if I picked this up somewhere or if I, if I am a genius. And so I want to run it by you. Okay. Let's hear. Have, have you ever eaten pie? Yes, I have. Okay. Have you ever cut a slice of pie for another human being? Like perhaps your wife. I have done that as well, yes. I have made pie and done that very thing. When you ask another person how much pie they want, how do you do that? I either represent the size with my fingers, uh huh, or I will put the knife or pie cutter down to the pie and show where I'm going to cut. That's good, because I was also once a fool. (laughs) Here's what I did. AC was in the other room. I was like, do you want a slice of pie? She said, yes. I said, how many minutes do you want? Yes. Yes. And I think I came up with that on the spot. And I think it's, it's brilliant. If I picked that up from somewhere else, please let me know, because I would like to credit whatever genius, but I think I might be the genius, Matt. I, that is pretty smart. I also think it's interesting that you went with minutes instead of hours. I mean, that's a whole pie, Matt. Well, three hours of pie would be 25% of the pie. Well, uh, yeah, but like, uh, AC, like, I'll usually eat a whole hour of pie. Like, I'll usually eat a one o'clock to a two o'clock. AC usually only wants like, you know, two or three minutes. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah. You're talking about a minimum of 12. I'm talking about getting granular, having 60, 60 yeah. places to cut that pie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, that, that was the distinction I was making, because usually when the clock is used as a directional tool, you're going to say 3 o'clock, 6 o'clock, 12 o'clock, you know? Yeah, yeah. Making it minutes does make it more granular. It's pretty smart. Yeah. And that, folks, we just gave that away at the top of the show. Hey, speaking of that, did you was it the first piece out of a pie and did you cut it clean? It uh I actually it was a half of a pie that we bought from the grocery store. Okay. So that is so, that is another achievement. If you have a whole pie and you can cut the first piece out without making an absolute mess, congratulations to you. Yeah, usually there is a sacrificial piece of pie. Mm-hmm. And that's just going to be mine. I take that burden. Hey, this isn't a show about pie. We have a great guest on the show. We kind have of a show about pie, but we do have a great guest. That's we true. We have a pair of great guests here to talk about a genuinely fantastic comic book. That's right. Uh, Pat Oswalt is back, along with Jordan Bloom, and they're going to be talking to us about the soon-to-be-released, released this week, Minor Threats Trade Paperback that's coming out, along with a new series in the Minor Threats universe that's going to be starting up very soon, The Alternates. And we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about The Warriors. We're going to talk about all kinds of stuff uh, about the various weirdos in media uh, when we talk uh, to Patton and Jordan. But, Chris, we do have some business to take care of before we talk to them. And our first bit of business is thanking our supporters over on Patreon. That's right, Matt. Now, these are the people who they've gone all the way down 
to 643 Gimmick Street, you know what's there. Please, please let me know what's there. It is the pie shop. Oh, of course. Yeah. Yeah. It's specifically the pie shop from the short-lived but very good television show Pushing Daisies. <laughs> starring Lee Pace and Lee Pace's eyebrows. First and second build. In the credits. Love my boy Lee Pace. Nothing but love for my my dog, Lee Pace. My road dog, my homie. That guy's great. Best part of Twilight. That's it. It's a pie shop. While you're there, you can go to patreon.com slash Ajax, where you can kick in as little as a dollar a month. You know what that does? That helps me and Matt keep doing this show, all of our associated shows, and most importantly, it helps us pay those gimmicks they keep sending in the mail called bills. That's right, Chris. Don't get fooled. It's not Patreon. Just because I it's would a- sign up for Patreon in a fucking heartbeat. <laughs> it's still Patreon. TM, TM, uh, TM, Matt, you might want to go buy that domain. Patreon.com. Uh, this is, I think, our second episode in July. So it's not wake up, wake up, wake up the first of the month. Uh, I don't have any new Patreon supporters to thank, but you could be on the next episode. You could be one and you could help us out, help us keep making this show every week. Keep making our every story ever specials every month. Comics catch up. We're going to be doing a big double sized comics catch up about berserk very soon. A bumper edition. Yeah. Some would call it. Absolutely. Um, movie fighters and snack situation. All of those shows are made possible via your help on Patreon. Get us back up to that fun weed number on Patreon. We have 400 patrons right now. Get us, get us back up to the fun weed number folks. The weed number is so funny. I know everybody. You, the weed number is so funny. You can make it happen listeners. So pop over to our Patreon and, uh, and kick in a little bit. If you want, if, you are able to kick it a little bit. You're going to get every episode of every show I just mentioned completely ad-free. You're also going to get, depending on the level, bonus content. Chris and I are raring to record some bonus audio about Zelda, Tears of the Kingdom, and Spider-Man into the across the Spider-Verse. So watch out for that bonus audio over on Patreon. There's also bonus writing that Chris writes. I write on the Patreon sometimes. There's line-stepping privileges for our segments. The two segments you can line-step currently are Every Story Ever and Thursday Night Raw. And then there are also physical rewards. The order for t-shirts has been made. They should be on their way to be very soon and out to the people at that level of the Patreon um, in relatively short order. Uh, So if you're at that level on the Patreon, keep your eyes open. Uh, for this year's t-shirt if you're unable to help us on patreon and you know sometimes it's just not possible and we totally understand that you can help us out in other ways you can leave us a five-star review on the podcasting app that you use whether it be apple podcasts or google podcasts or spotify or wherever it is that you get podcasts five stars would be so helpful you can also just spread the word about the show word of mouth is a great way to promote a podcast. So let your friends know that there's a podcast you love. Pat Oswalt was on it and Jordan Bloom as well. And 
they should listen to that episode. So we talk about pie a lot, suspiciously for a podcast that is not only about comic books, but get get through that. And also, it's a good tip. Minutes, minutes, minutes. With that, Chris, it's time for some checks and wrecks. What do you say? I think we should spend our minutes doing just that, man. Chris, what do you have to check in with this week? In addition to your amazing pie cutting method. And when Alexander saw the breadth of his empire, he wept, for there were no more worlds to conquer. (laughs) What do I do now, Matt? What do I do now that I have beaten the Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom? What is there for me in this world? Well, I know you picked up AEW Fight Forever. I did. I did. And it's like, and it looked like I'm, I'm excited to play it. I'm excited to go through the story mode and, and see my good friend, Hangman <laughs> Adam Page. My, my good TV friend. He, I'll tell you what's weird about that game. Tell me. I thought I thought there were like weird rights issues because the first thing I do in any wrestling game is I make my my character right, and for one thing, you can make uh, Justin Roberts the Dapper Yapper. You can make him say Matt Wilson. You cannot make him say Chris Sims, and that's whack. I it is. One of the few benefits of having an extraordinarily common name. How much, how much, in the words, as as Terry Hogan said to Dave Hebner, how much was the payoff, brother, <laughs> for you to get that and and keep my name out of it? So I was making my character, and I get to like the entrance, you know, the last, last thing, and I'm like, well, let's see everybody's song. Hang on, why can't I, like, is Cult of Personality not in here? Can I not make that my music? Is Jane not in here? Is Judas not in here? But no, those are in there, Matt. But you can't pick him for your guy. And I'm like, hey, what the fudge? I also like New York's own living color. Jefferson Starship was like... Orange Cassidy and Orange Cassidy only. Yeah, Jefferson Starship was like, look, we like this one guy. <laughs> the rest, of th- no one else, the rest of you can can go kick rocks. So anyway, that was weird. So I haven't really played much of it. I did uh, accidentally make my self-insert character the, uh, the TNT champion because uh, I wanted to try the exploding barbed wire deathmatch mode, which was fun. Uh, and I was like, who could I reasonably beat up? And I picked Darby Allen, <laughs> which I think is very funny. Um, also, I will say this. No matter what you do in that game, and I don't know if this is by design or just a hilarious coincidence, your creator wrestler is going to look like local talent, buddy. Mm. Like, my dude, I didn't try. He looks like he is about to get squashed by Ryback in 20 seconds. So, my Fight Forever is not quite a recommendation just yet, but I'm done with with Tears of the Kingdom. 
and everything else, I'm like, I don't know, I'm not feeling it. I'm not feeling it. So what do I do now? Read a book? I don't know, man. I don't know what to do. I, I hope you find it. I hope you find it. I hope I do too. We'll record some uh, some Boko about Chiefs of the Kingdom, and maybe that will help you pass to the next thing. Welcome me to the next level. Yes. Because <laughs> uh, I was playing with power. Matt, what have you been up to this week while well, I have been lamenting the cruelty that would leave me in a Zeldaless world? I've been uh, up to a few things. I'm, I've been thinking about streaming another video game, which I've not okay. done in a little while. Not since Fatal Frame. Not since Fatal Frame, which I did leave unfinished. <laughs> Perhaps I will go back to it uh, eventually. <laughs> but it did wear on me. Uh, was it the, too scary? Uh, it was... There was too much TW self-harm uh, in that game. Ultimately, okay. Well, I'm sorry that you didn't like that gift that I got. I enjoyed playing it, but there was a lot of TW self harm. I think the next game I'm going to stream is either going to be uh, the Resident Evil remake or the Dead Space remake. I'm interested what people have to say about that. Uh, what people would like to see me stream, or if they have another idea of a game they would like to see me stream. I, gu- I guess I've found a niche like the. I've only really streamed like survival horror games. I'll probably stream Alan Wake two whenever that comes out, but that's a ways off. So let me know which of those games you would prefer to see me stream. And uh, I'll, I'll maybe do that soon. The other thing is I've been navigating all the different new Twitters that have sprung up. I don't know how many memes, Chris, I've seen, where it was, it's Reign of the Supermen, and each one is a different new Twitter clone. And I think it was Josie Reisman who said that the only one that Blue Sky can be is uh, Superboy, because Superboy I, is trans. <laughs> I mean, that's good. Like, it, it, I would if I was the people behind Blue Sky, I would take being the Metropolis kid. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, here's what here's what I think, Matt. That's a very funny comparison because if you remember, and I know you remember, uh, none of them were Superman. That's right. That's right. I mean, that the, was the, the bit. Well, the implication is that Twitter is Superman, and in that story, Twitter comes back. Yeah, or Superman comes back. It's a hell from which we cannot escape. I don't think that's how this story is going to turn out. Um, but the, I, I think the, I think the consensus is that uh, Superboy is Blue Sky, Steel is Spill. What is Spill? S- Spill is basically where Black Twitter has gone. Okay, not entirely, but it it is a black owned Twitter alternative. So all right. That's why people are saying it's steel. I get, I get uh, it. I, I got that. Um, Cyborg Superman is threads, <laughs> and I think Eradicator was Mastodon. Uh, so 
that's oh, that's what I've been thought, seeing. I am not happy with that comparison. But. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, maybe Eradicator was. What was what's the other Twitter alternative that people are using? Uh, I don't even know. Whatever. Um, so I've been very much avoiding threads. Um, but I know a lot of people are on it because a lot of people were on Instagram to begin with. So my question is, and I would like listeners to answer this on the discord, on the war rocket Ajax discord. Do we have to start a war rocket Ajax threads account? Like, is that a thing we're going to have to do? I don't know, man. I want it to be known that I really don't want to. I just feel like we, I just feel like we had a bad thing that we hated, and yeah. now we just have a bunch of different things that might be bad that we hate. Blue Sky is the one I'm liking the most. I am. That's the one that I have signed up for because I did get a an, an invite code, and it felt like a shame to waste it. And also, it gave me pleasant memories of uh, the early days of Gmail. When baby yes. had to get that Gmail invitation. It's also giving me memories of the early days of Twitter where I would just chat with my friends. And I didn't constantly have to see the worst opinions in the world and brands all the time. Yeah. 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 From from what I can tell, uh, th- threads is nothing but brands. And people who want to be brands. And boy, do I not want to deal with that. But if we have to have a thing for the show, an account for the show, because that's where people are, I guess we'll do it. But I really don't want to, so let me know, listeners, what you think. Does does a podcast even need to have that now? Well, we still have to take listener questions, but we have to Discord. Discord. Get on Discord! Yeah, please get on Discord. <laughs> if you're listening and you're Discord. not on our Discord, email us today. Listen, and we'll get I'm you. never in there because I found it very stressful. But you can just get it and then then like pop in on Thursday nights at nine thirty, ask your questions. All right, those that's my check, Chris. Uh time to make some recommendations. What do you have to recommend? Am I gonna have to like play Elden Ring now? A bad game that's not fun. Every time you say that, it hurts my heart so much. I'm not it's trying not a to bad hurt. Game. I'm not trying to hurt your feelings, but it, it it might not be a bad game. But it's it's not fun. I'll tell you what. I'm coming to visit you. You're going to come visit, yeah. In about a month. Uh huh. For my birthday, maybe I can help you lift lift into Elden Ring and have fun with it. Because once you get into it, man, you're going to have fun with it. I promise. It's just, I don't know why they didn't make it fun to hit the button and the guy swings a sword. It is fun. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know how much, I can't argue with this. I can't argue this with you anymore. I play Zelda, I hit the button, Link swings a sword, and I go, that's good. (laughs) Uh, I don't know. So, so it's a recommendation you might play Elden Ring? No, I'm just thinking out loud. 
Okay. Just thinking out loud. Uh, my actual recommendation, Matt, is going to be a new season of uh, an online series that I uh, enjoy quite a bit. Uh, you have heard me speak about it before. I'm a big fan of uh, Dimension 20, the uh, D&D actual play show. And I know I've recommended it before. I will highly recommend the Fantasy High seasons as some of the most fun, uh, honestly, some of the most fun D&D content I have ever consumed uh, outside of my own games. Uh, that's how much I enjoy it. Uh, but the newest season just launched. There's uh, two episodes out right now that you can watch on dropout.tv. Uh where uh, with your game master, uh, Brendan Lee Mulligan. Uh, and the new season is called Dungeons and Drag Queens. And rather than the usual cast of uh, college humor people and uh, improvisers, the cast is made up of uh, four drag queens. Uh, so if you've ever wanted to watch uh, someone named Alaska Thunderfuck, uh, do a perception <laughs> check. I have great news for you. Uh, I will say this. I will say this about the cast. Jujube is probably my favorite player. Jujube is very invested. I feel like I feel like Alaska Thunderfuck could maybe take it a little more seriously. Uh, I feel like Monet Exchange is kind of in that sweet spot of of being just invested enough and, and willing to roll with it. Bob the Drag Queen has played D&D before. Bob the Drag Queen has shown up like ready to rock and roll with like a character background. Bob Bob the Drag Queen is 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 in it and I love that. Uh and I hadn't even thought about it because I tend to hang out with uh and communicate with people who are not terrible. Uh, until AC pointed it out, I didn't realize that this is Dimension 20's reaction to uh, everybody making drag the, uh, the the new scary thing that's going to hurt your children. Uh, yeah. And it is a yeah. big fuck you to that ridiculous movement. Uh, so knowing that makes me like it even more. Uh, so give uh, Dungeons & Drag Queens a watch. It's very fun. Uh, also, Props to Brennan Lee Mulligan for also being in super heavy makeup and costuming. Cause like you gotta, you gotta, when you're, when you're rolling up on there, you gotta also Bob the drag queen dresses like, uh, Dracula from symphony night. So <laughs> I am, I am here for Bob the drag queen. Uh, Dungeons and Drag Queens Dimension 20. Uh, if the pattern that they've said in previous uh, seasons holds up, you can probably watch the first episode for free somewhere, probably on YouTube, uh, which I would recommend. Uh, it's a good time. It's a good way to spend a couple hours. Matt, what is your recommendation this week? Well, Chris, I saw this movie a while ago. I don't even know if it's still in theaters anymore, but it should be available for streaming quite soon i would think and uh it was a very fun time at the movies i just never got around to recommending it on the show i think because we didn't do rex the week that it came out and weirdly enough my wife was very intent on seeing it on like the weekend of its release 
That movie is Fast X. Which, I, I can I admit something to you, Chris? Yes. I, I was, I hesitate to say down on the last couple of Fast and Furious movies, but I wasn't as big on Fury or, or on F Nine, the Fast Saga, and Hobbs and Shaw as I had been on Fast and Furious movies up to that point. I think. Hobbs and Shaw, for many people, but not for me, crosses the line from from fun and dumb to just dumb. But I, I have a lot of Fast Nine. I have a lot of criticisms of Hobbs and Shaw. I mean, Matt, it's not a good movie. <laughs> no, and and it is about two characters who seem to be aware that they are in a movie. Yes. And not in a fun way. Also, a man does bicep curl a helicopter. I mean, that's cool. I like that every time it's in a movie. It's not as good as when Captain America did it. Yeah, yeah. That owned... I know a lot of people have uh, fond memories of that. Okay, Chris, you you did not see F9. I did not see uh, Function 9, no. Yeah, okay. You don't really have to have seen F9 to watch... Fast X, Fast Ten. Um, even though they keep, it's it's referred to officially as Fast X. Um, just know that John Cena was the bad guy in F Nine, and as as is always the case with this movie, with these movies, everybody's cool with him now by Fast X. <laughs> and I feel like Fast X brings the magic back. To a degree. And a huge part of that, I think, is twofold. One is Jason Momoa. Jason Momoa is going full out, all out, balls out in this movie, clearly having a blast doing it, and just like the most dynamic villain maybe ever in the series. He's so good in Fast X. It's also a direct sequel to Fast Five which is so smart. I feel like everybody behind this movie, Vin Diesel and all the producers sat down and were like, how do we get the magic back? Okay. What was the best movie? Fast five. All right. Fast X is double that. So let's do a direct sequel to fast five and Jason Momoa plays the drug kingpin son from Fast Five in this one. Okay. And it's just, you're right back in it. The movie opens with a flashback to the events of Fast Five. And as soon as that happens, like, you're in it again. And they, like, moderated the tone, so it's, like, a, still not super serious, but, like, a lo- definitely more serious than Hobbs and Shaw. And, like, the action set pieces are great. Like, does it reach the heights of what, you know, the series had in its best moments? Probably not quite. But I still think it's, like, a huge improvement over the last couple of movies in the series. So, Chris, if you have not seen it yet, I would absolutely recommend to you seeing Fast X. All right. I will will take that uh, recommendation to heart. 
With that, Chris, let's talk about some of the comics that came out this week. I would love to do that very thing, Matt. There isn't a winner of the Texter's Choice for this week. But I think if there had been, it would have been Peacemaker Tries Hard number three. One of two big Kyle Starks releases this week. We're actually going to name check I Hate This Place, a.k.a. Fuck This Place, in the interview. Pat Oswald, when we became his fucking PR department. <laughs> Buddy. Uh, Pat Oswald, unprompted, brings up I Hate This Place in the interview. Uh, but Peacemaker Tries Hard is also an extremely fun time. And I don't know if I can think of a more Kyle Stark's premise for a comic than Peacemaker from the television show Peacemaker, played by John Cena, making it his life's mission to go rescue a dog. It's so very Kyle. Yeah. It's I I love it. it and it and also there is a uh, helmet that shoots out a beam that goes fuck. <laughs> That's true, and it's called the fuck helmet. <laughs> like it really doesn't get more Kyle than that. It like, really doesn't. It, if if Chris Schweitzer was in it, maybe. But but it doesn't it doesn't get much more uh, much more Kyle Sarks than that. Yeah, uh, like also like a crew of supervillains who are mad because they have to set the last days since the last workplace accident counter back to zero. You know who was happy as hell to see the demolition team? You? Me. Yeah. I too have that issue of who's who. And I was like, where? Why aren't these guys around all the time? Like I am with any construction themed supervillains. <laughs> talk uh, about it, talk about the weirdos. Talk about a comic about the weirdos. And then Peacemaker's parole officer is a golden age hero who says, "Gird your loins, you Nazi fucks." He's the Red B. I love that the Red B is one of those characters. You you know how I have mixed feelings about us deciding that a character is lame, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, like we all decided Gunfire was lame pretty early, and I think that was honestly a good call. But, you know, even having experienced uh, Jared Stevens, the man called Fate, and not particularly enjoying it, I still think, I still don't think it was right for us to decide that Jared Stevens was a bad character. I'm glad that, like, pretty early on, everybody realized the Red Bee was, like, a dumb idea. <laughs> There's a whole issue of Starman about how how he is a bad idea, and that is a book that is nothing if not reverential to, uh, to Golden Age characters. True. Anyway, Peacemaker Tries Hard is a hoot and a half. And I would say so, yeah. Kyle, I hope you're listening to this episode. He's not. Because there's there's reason for you to as it progresses. That's all I'll say. The franchise, man. That's right. 
Uh, next up, we're going to talk about Doctor Strange number five, the wedding issue. The issue that sees uh, the wedding of two people who tried to murder Stephen Strange. <laughs> Not tried to, did. It did. Fully did. Yeah. I like that uh, that we get a uh, we get to see Dormammu do some crowd work in this one. That's fun. That is fun. Yes. <laughs> we get the we get the wedding of Umar, uh, Clea's mom, and the knowledge that uh, she is making a new heir because Clea never does what she tells her to, which is pretty also- good. Yeah, I also love the expl- like Umar's explanation of like, no, I don't love Tibero. I don't love who I'm getting married to. This is a business arrangement, and this is what happens to people who have power. This is this is what a marriage means for people like me, and uh, I appreciate that. Like the the best part of that was Clea going, "Oh, do you think he can keep you safe?" And Umar going, no, but I think he might distract the killer for long enough for me to get away. Yes. Which is great villain motivation to get married. That's phenomenal. Yes. Excellent, excellent comics. I also like, we. I mean, the big deal is we find out who the killer is. And it is... It is an interesting Doctor Strange problem. It is. It's it's very thematic with this whole Jed McKay run on Doctor Strange. Yeah. Where different Stevens Strange from different time periods keep showing up. Yeah, which I guess, uh, spoiler warning everybody, that's who the killer is. It's a, yeah. it's a Steven Strange from the future. Yes. It's who- old man... Doctor Strange is what it is. Old Man Steven. I think he's he's called uh Doctor Strange calls him General uh Stephen Strange implying yeah. a magical war of some kind, but like it's old man Steven. That is absolutely what he is, yeah. He's old man Steven. I'm I'm psyched to find out what this this character's deal is. Yeah, no, it's very, very exciting. It's it's very fun. A very fun issue. A lot of really, really good like character beats for uh, Umar, for Clea, for Dormammu. Very, very fun stuff. One last comic that we're going to talk about is Amazing Spider-Man number 28, which uh, came out last week. But we wanted to talk about it because it's a very fun time. Yeah, uh, because you find out that uh, J. Jonah Jameson has been treating Dr. Octopus's arms like a little puppy dog and letting it sleep on his feet. And Dr. Octopus has sent his arms to J. Jonah Jameson like a Trojan horse email. J. Jonah Jameson is like when your mom calls you and says, I got this email and I clicked it because it was about my Verizon account. And then you're like, oh, no. And I thought I, thought I was with T-Mobile. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, Mom. It it literally is a phishing email, the the thing with the arms, because Dr. Octopus uses it to invade all of Oscorp's systems. 
Yeah. But it's, it's also like the implication is that that's not the arms's fault that the arms actually do like Jonah. They just also like when they get hooked up to Norman's thing, like, cause, cause they dis uh, they disconnect themselves and try yeah. to stop Norman from uh, getting his stuff taken over. It's very good. It's very good. And Dr. Octopus's new arms that are so like modular. They're modular arms that everyone in the book hates and thinks are gross. Except Dr. Octopus. Except Doc Ock. Loves them. Yes. Uh, which is, it's, it's a very funny book. Like, it's almost, I don't think I've ever said this before. It's almost a little too funny, I think. Like, I am very much enjoying it, and I, I say almost for a reason, but everyone's reaction to Doc Ock in this is so very funny. It, it's good. Also, it's... I, thought, I thought Otto Octavius was in a Peter Parker body. I've, I've, I've missed whenever Doc Ock turned back into Doc Ock. For the entirety of this run, he's been in a new... Uh, he, he's been in a Doc Ock body once again. Uh, I I don't know that I know for sure when he got his Doc Ock body back, but he's had it for a little while. All right, Chris. With that, our comic segment is complete, which means it's time for us to talk to Pat Oswalt and Jordan Bloom. Let's do it. for the program this week we are very happy to welcome back uh two friends of the show to talk about what was legitimately one of my favorite comics in the last little while uh they are here to talk about minor threats and a few other things jordan bloom pat oswalt welcome back to the show how are you good thanks for having us back guys yeah happy to be yeah. back thank you it is it is our pleasure to have you on uh, especially i know we talked about this last time you were here, I'm still mad at the premise of Minor Threats and how good it is. <laughs> like I'm still, <laughs> I'm still just angry at this every time I look at it. It's like, oh, it's too good. Your anger is the, the most beautiful compliment we could ever take on the book. Thank yes, you. I know that that, that, that feeling. Fantastic. <laughs> yeah, I'll take it. I, I, I do kind of want to flip it around though, and I want to ask you. Because uh, one of the things we like to do on the show is talk to people about the things they like and their influences. What is the thing that, like, the the piece of art, whatever it is, that you've looked at and you've been just, you've had that feeling of, that's infuriatingly good? Because it happens to me all the time. Jordan, do you have one off the top oh. of your head? Yeah, I feel like there's a comic book that comes out once a week that <laughs> makes me do that. Like, uh, uh, Local Man by Tim Seeley. I was like, oh, he got there. He got to the Image Comics deconstruction before I could. I love it. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm with uh, Jordan. It seems like every week some new uh, title comes out, and it, and it tends to be on one of the smaller publishers now. But yeah, Local Man, definitely. I just got 
an advanced copy of next Wednesday's first issue of Jeff Lemire's Fish Flies, which I haven't read yet, but I'm sure will be a, oh God, it's right there. Um, there's uh, this one called Maniac of New York over at Aftershock Comics is friggin' genius. Oh God, that 8 Billion Genies by Charles Sewell. Did you read that? Uh, yeah, that one's on my list to read, but I have not read it yet. Oh, that Incredible. Kyle Starks one where all the uh, serial killers and monsters live on a block. What's that one? Oh, God. That one, and then this one, this other one, he's, I just read the new issue like 20 minutes ago called I Hate This Place. Which yeah, yeah, starts yeah. off as like people in the woods facing danger, and then it just blows up into this cosmic craziness, and it is fantastic. I do, I'll tell you who'll be very happy to hear all of this, uh, Kyle. Uh, <laughs> The the serial killer one is um, where monsters lie, which yes. is yes. a fantastic concept. Yeah, that was one where I was like, like, oh, I texted him and I was like, you, you jerk! It's right there. <laughs> it was jerk. right there. This is the second podcast we've been on where we're putting out this into the world that we want Kyle Starks to come do something in Minor Threats with us because we talk about his work all the time. So this is the second time we've said this on a podcast. Well, th- this is how we'll find out if Kit Kyle actually ever listens to the show, because if he hears <laughs> that, uh, he'll, I'm sure he'll jump at the chance. Please, please, Kyle, come do it. <laughs> Join us. Well, that's why he's the franchise. Yeah. Well, speaking of Tim Seeley, I want to talk about the alternates a little bit. And, what exactly the sort of like working situation is there. Cause I saw the announcement for the book. I love the idea of doing that sort of like doom patrol style weirdo superhero thing in the minor threats universe. Yeah. There's also a, a, a quite an array of names on the cover. And I know Tim Seeley is doing some of the writing and, and you guys have been touted as the writers. Like what is the kind of working, is there like a writer's room for, for the minor threats universe going forward or, or what's, how's that going to work? Sort of. Cause it, we, I guess we have, it's not announced yet. There's another spinoff that we actually did a full writer's room with like, uh, cards and stuff and broke out uh that wasn't has that hasn't been announced yet but with the tim one he came to us with this kind of idea of like i want to play with the monsters and the forgotten heroes of this of the minor threats universe and we, we kind of built it out together and everyone was pitching characters and then we plotted it kind of all out and then um you know tim and i were doing some of the writing and we we're passing it to patent to kind of look at and, and add to. So it was very hyper collaborative. Yeah. What Jordan said. <laughs> it's a very collaborative answer. <laughs> <laughs> but we really, we just worked Tim into the ground and then took all the credit for. Uh, exactly. <laughs> yeah. You know, because we wanted to do a throwback to the early forties style of comic books that we loved so much. We, we decided <laughs> we would create that slave driver atmosphere. He was given one corned beef sandwich and a cup of coffee a day, and uh, he now has cataracts and arthritis. And yeah, we want to be known good. as the modern day, modern day Bob Keynes, you know, of the comic industry. <laughs> That's really the whole yeah. yeah, it's uh, like, not even the Stan Lee, like, 
take the credit, but at least give them a nickname. It's <laughs> no right. no credit at all of the early com very early comics days. Mm-hmm. You are so close to just turning this into me being mad about Bob Kane for the next forty minutes. Oh. Well, we're all mad about Bob Kane. Yeah, the, the the worst guy, the absolute worst guy. <laughs> who unfortunately did co-create the best thing. Yeah, I'm sad to say. it happened. Yeah. Uh, so, is I, I know we talked about this a little bit last time you were on, because we talked about uh, Minor Threats. Uh, when you were putting this story together, and you had this, you know, like, like I know we talked about the idea of the, the back pocket pitch, where this is the thing that you've you've had and you want to do this. But did you, when you were making it, were you like, I want this to be the whole universe? Did you have stuff that you couldn't fit into this that you're like, I hope this, I hope people like it so that we can do more. I mean, we definitely have, we definitely had way bigger plans for the world. I mean, we couldn't write the four issues that we did without knowing a lot of the other background that is all outside of the panel of this world. You have to know all that, even if it doesn't necessarily go into the book. Yeah, I think there was just always, uh, well, we stumbled on this. This could be this, could, which could be this, could be this. And you kind of like put that away, you know, in a drawer. Because you're like, if we explore that, we'll never get through the story we're telling. But mm-hmm. we also wanted the world to feel lived in, you know. Yeah. Do you enjoy the, like, background world building? Because I know that there's... There's within me there are two wolves, and one of them loves world building and loves coming up with the the rules and the histories and and i I tend to get out all of that impulse in like gaming, mm-hmm. but when I'm writing particularly when I'm writing comics I, there is a different lazier me that is very much I will figure this out when I get there. There's a me that hates future me. And so I was wondering, like, do you, is the world building aspect, is that something that you like? I love it. I really love the world building. Sometimes I like the world building so much. I'm like, why do I need to bother to tell stories in it? I, let me just keep creating the world, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, you're, a D, you're a D&D player, right? I feel like that comes from yes. that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely comes from that. Yeah, my, uh, my... Dungeon Master philosophy is that I have never written a trap that has an answer because it's not my job to get out of the trap. (laughs) (laughs) My job to get him in there. Uh, Jordan, what about you? Like, I know that you've done, like, Matt and I have talked to you about, like, on other projects, like background stuff and world building and and figuring out the bits and pieces that you want to use to build those stories. So is that something that that you find appealing when you're working on, yeah, like, like you two worked on, on, uh, MODOK. Uh, like, is it fun using those pieces that are already there? Or do you like the act of like building it yourself and and then using those pieces? It's definitely intimidating. You have to start from scratch. Like you don't have the sandbox, but at the same time, I think it lets you have these amazing freedoms. And I, I still feel like it comes, organically you know even with some of the characters and the way that we structured the book 
where it would switch narrators, suddenly we had to really explore brain tease, you know, or scalpel. And then in digging into who they are, it opened up all these other characters that shaped them and places they grew up and parts of the world. So I always kind of come to it pretty organically just by, by, I think, asking the questions that I feel like the story needs. Yeah, if you if you if you ask enough of them, you will get you will have enough answers to build a world for sure. I, um, yeah, but I mean, by that same token, I because I, I have a hard time figuring out where the line is of okay, I've officially done too much, or I am at the point where I am now putting the cart before the horse, and I've I've planned so much in, in advance or I've come up with so much potential future story right. that if that future story never gets to happen it's just a lot of wasted work. So <laughs> how do you guys know yeah, yeah. where that point is? Because I have a really hard time figuring out where that where to draw that line. Um, I, would, I, yeah, I would say it's like uh, a lot of it came from Scott too. Uh, Scott Hepburn, the artist and, and co-creator, because he was, I believe, the one who pitched the idea of, like, um, this is a, a, a superhero world that's endured 60 years of, of superhero continuity, so that should be in the background. So some was kind of pitched from us, others from him that was kind of building back and forth, and then that sort of, again, got brought into the story of, okay, this is a little bit of a warrior's, they've got to make it across the city you know, in one night kind of story where what what's going to be there that's going to be kind of fun things to, to tour the characters through. So again, that was all world building, but it was, you know, suggestion from Scott built into, okay, well, what's going to be, let's map out where these characters go uh, through the city. And there is a literal map in the book that gets yeah. added to every, every issue. There are so many creators that we have talked to lately who have mentioned the Warriors. That's a great movie. It is a great movie. I would never dispute that. I'm just surprised that, like, whatever the reason is, it is in the zeitgeist right now. Well, I mean, it's, you know, isn't it a retelling of Xenophon? So it's that taking a classic story and then uh, making it um, something kind of comic-y, which uh, is is very... um, you know, of the moment in a way. Yeah. I, I love the Warriors. Yeah. It's pretty great. I never uh, knew that it was based on uh, that Xenophon story. Like, I, the Warriors, now knowing that the Warriors is based on an ancient Greek <laughs> story. <laughs> Obviously, Matt, a- you never had the director's cut DVD where that is. There's a title card at the beginning explaining that. In the, I guess oh, the I original novel the title card at the beginning. I just know that. Yeah, the Saul Uric novel where it, yeah. it's it's based on. I mean, there's a character named Ajax for God's sake. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Why have we not done just done a podcast about the Warriors? I mean, like, there's still time. Yeah, there's always time to do that. What's the yeah. What's the thing where they do like every minute of Star Wars? Like we could do every minute of the Warriors, Matt. Oh my God! Why not? 
have me on to talk about the uh, was it PlayStation Two or Three game? I played that. Oh yeah, <laughs> there was a, a PlayStation Two era Warriors game. There was. And, and there was a comic book, I believe a four or five issue comic, and it's about at the end of it when they once they get back to Coney Island, they then go to free Ajax from jail. Because remember how Ajax gets arrested by mm-hmm. the undercover cop in the park. Uh, played by a young, um, oh God, what's her name? She was in the Fisher King. Oh, uh, wait a minute. Oh my God, it's going to drive me crazy. She became a very big actress. Mercedes, wait a minute, was it Mercedes? Ruel? Ruel, Mercedes Ruel. She arrests James Remar in the park. And then, uh, so they, someone did a story where they go and free him. So the tombs, man. It's sounding like it's it's what we got to do, Matt. That's the <laughs> new direction of this show. That's a tape of what you can get on our podcast right there. That's a tease. Exactly, oh. yeah. There's your tease that's a, right there. That's Patreon exclusive, I think. Is, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Is, is Modern Day Warriors, our Warriors podcast. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I'm glad we've got a new project uh, to... to, to <laughs> um, exactly. Uh, but... I, I want to talk a little bit about the, the the trade paperback of Minor Threats coming out, Thank you. and the sort of like promotional tour you guys have been doing for it. Because um, I've seen I've seen Jordan's Instagram, I've seen all the events you guys have been doing, and is this the first of these sorts of things? I mean, obviously, Patton, you've been kind of all over the place doing comedy and stuff as well. But um, it, it, it kind of feels like, you know, a post COVID let's get out and see people and actually talk to fans kind of thing. And it just seems so refreshing and fun, like having live bands and stuff at these events must be an absolute blast. Oh, I mean, just getting to see, People that, you know, the, the old cliche about comic book readers is they don't leave the house, they're basement dwellers, and you see everyone outside in the sun, you're all interacting, and you've you've written something, and they all kind of speak the same language as you, and the language you're speaking started in your head. It feels amazing. Yeah. We got to give a big shout out to uh, a comic store in Los Angeles called Revenge Of that hosted our big release party and they are kind of uh, production designers by day comic store owners by night i guess uh but uh they built stages for us and all this art and booths and um and we were able to have stand-up comedy there and live music and they had a um uh barbecue uh set up there and it was it was we wanted to make a party you know i think sometimes Comic signings can be very similar where you're in the store and it's a Wednesday and everyone signs and then that's it, you know, and you're at a table. And we wanted to kind of, you know, bring a little bit of the entertainment industry party stuff that, that movies and TV get, you know, for, for comics. So that was kind of the goal of that event. We were inspired. Uh, Kyle Higgins does amazing uh, kind of release stuff for, for his book. So uh, that and, and David Dusmaltrian had an event there too that kind of inspired us. So um, that store, I think, is trying to pick up where uh, the Nerdist Theater and, and Meltdown 
left off now that they're gone as being kind of an event space for these kinds of, of things. Yeah, it's really cool. It's so cool what they're doing. Yeah, there's. I always have enjoyed like the signings or events where there is another element to it that is not sitting behind your table w- waiting to see if anyone shows up. That is that is a a harrowing experience. <laughs> yeah, it's it's better when there's barbecue there. I'd it's, say, yeah, no argument I, from us. Absolutely, that is a War Rocket Ajax s- statement through and through. Always better <laughs> with barbecue. Uh, my other question is: When are you gonna guys gonna have Seminole, Washington D.C. Hardcore punk and post-punk uh, figure Ian McKay as part of one of these events because you gotta you gotta thread the needle you gotta connect it back you gotta get the guy for minor threat at your minor threats event. Yeah, that'd be awesome. I mean, I'm sure he'd demand that we only charge five dollars for <laughs> for the the uh, trade paperback. So we'll see. Don't know how that'll work, but we'll see. Yeah, he's always welcome. His lawyers are not welcome. Oh yeah, yeah. When your next book is called Fugazi, uh, <laughs> he's really going to get the the antennae up. <laughs> There's a lot that I want to talk about about this universe, mm-hmm. and I'm I'm trying to figure out what I can ask about the making of it and the expansion of it that will not be like that. Your answer won't be. You should read the book because <laughs> look, I'm going to read the book. I'm, I'm going to be there. It's going to be good, and I'm sure of it. Yeah, spoil uh, away. I feel like people can fast forward if they don't want specific things spoiled. But let's let's dig in. Well, I'm I'm mainly again from the kind of technical and mechanical standpoint. Like the the thing that we talked about with uh, when you came on right as that first issue had come out was uh, the easy pitch to it is you know what if death uh, death in the family happens and then a bunch of supervillains go hunt down the joker uh which again i can't even say it without getting mad uh (laughs) but how do you like how do you build that out from the the sort of idea of having like analog characters uh, and sort of referencing this touchstone, do you go to like referencing other touchstones and, and kind of the the idea of the reader is bringing their knowledge of how a superhero universe works? Or is this the point where you start diverging? Pat, do you want to go? Or do you, want to you, you start. That was okay. a good question. That is a great question. Um, I feel like, you know, we start we started with those archetypes, right? And the biggest archetypes to me are the insomniac and the stick man who aren't the main characters. They're, they should feel like background, you know? Uh, so when we dug into who our main characters were, I feel like once we, we got Frankie down and unlocked her, her being a second generation supervillain who's trying to go straight and realizing she can't escape this life. So she's got to pull off kind of one last job to get out. I feel like, that opened the book up and we understood the goal. We understood why she was kind of doing it. And then it was, you know, getting to explore these other characters, you know, we could, you could have point of references like 
Calendar Man, or, you know, or Copperhead, or all these other ones who who don't ever get explored as real characters. So you could start again with their designs or archetypes, but then it was like, why would you do this? Why would you put on these costumes, endure this punishment, endure, uh, you know, being embarrassed all the time and and suffering this life? And I felt like that was the key to finding something new because I don't think that has been explored that well of of why be these C-list jobbers? Uh, why why commit to this lifestyle? So I think that's where we kind of diverge because it felt like new territory. Yeah, and also, I mean, it, it, it's not entirely new territory in that we're, we're, we're taking a lot of riffs off of what um, they did in the original run of Suicide Squad, which was one of my most beloved comics where they, they get into, like, Captain Boomerang and these smaller, like, I've got one gimmick. I've got to somehow make my life work. And so a lot of their, what they want more than anything is just a sense of dignity. Um, and then why would you chase dignity wearing a costume like that? So, you know, kind of showing what happens when you take away people's options and, you know, they have only have one thing left. That is, that to me is, you know, fascinating. Well, aside from ending on, I think, Chris and I can agree is our favorite last three words for any comic to end on never the end. (laughs) The, the book also ends with like a real shift in the power dynamic where, you know, as you characterize them, Jordan, the, the jobbers sort of get a little bit of stroke. They get some authority and, and power in this world. And, like does is that a tipping point for the rest of the universe like does the does that sort of shift in the paradigm affect everything in the minor threats universe going forward after that i think it affects redport and more importantly it's about a shift in in frankie's storyline cuz i think what we wanted to do is you know uh without spoiling too much of what's coming next we always wanted um each minor threat story to, to be a different kind of uh, sub crime genre. So if the first one is a survive the night, you know, sort of story about, you know, these kind of uh, Cohen brothers, you know, loser criminals, then we wanted to see her make a grab for power at the end and start to kind of unite these D listers into something a little more organized and, and see that build. So, that you know, perhaps next time we check in with Frankie, the story is a little more of a you know, heavy is the head that wears the crown. What is it really like to declare yourself this this uh, kind of queen pin of crime and and you know all the the problems and conflicts that come with that? So to me, it yeah. opened up all these new stories of you know where can we go with Frankie that's going to make the next story feel drastically different from the one we just told. And also, what does it mean to call the shots and make the rules in a profession or in a world where, A, it's a criminal world, but it has its own rules. They are all based on this unspoken honor code. And if you have upset this long balance, how long can you hold on to that power? Even if you've earned it, how long can you hold on to it? I mean, by the way, that, that's just as, that same question happens in a legitimate world as well. You know, you can, in a legal business, how long can you be 
the number one thing in the market until someone else tries to come along and, and upend you. Mm-hmm. And I think the other thing that story element, you know, that where we end is interesting is that you have Frankie who's grown up through the, the kind of silver age, you know, golden age of, of super villainy. And there is this kind of honor and it's a part of her, whether she likes it or not. And then at the same time, the world is being dragged into this much darker kind of, uh, you know, Alan Moore, Frank Miller, uh, you know, uh, out of the bronze age into the modern age sort of time. So it's, to me, that ending is her going, I'm going to kind of honor the old ways, but I'm going to carve out my own path. And I've never gotten to be a supervillain kind of my way, you know, my style. So we're going to blend these two worlds and see what comes out of that uh, moving forward in the, in the world of supervillainy. Yeah. I really wish this interview had gone on just a little bit longer because saying that how long can you be the the top thing in the market before someone else comes along would have been a perfect way to kick it over to listener questions. (laughs) But we've got a a little bit of time uh, left to talk about. Um, Pat, do you mind if I ask you a non-comics question? Yeah, sure. Did you watch uh, Everything Everywhere all at once? I did. Was was that was that weird for you when they do the Rakakuni bit? Of course it was, but it was also wonderful. <laughs> I, I love that they were proposing a an alternate reality where not only is Ratatouille real, but it got switched with a raccoon. That's friggin' brilliant. <laughs> I absolutely loved that movie. And that scene happened, and I, it was between the last time you were on the show and this time, and I was like, I cannot, I, I hope against hope that I get to ask uh, about that. Love it. Thanks. But that's like, I feel like that means Ratatouille is like permeated so much that I always, you know, in writing TV, someone was like, let's do like a weekend at Bernie's thing. Like it's a, it's a device in a cool way, you know, where yeah. or let's do like a midnight run. Like you know exactly what someone's talking about. So someone's like, I want to do a Ratatouille it's like, oh, that's well, film. Right. Like, you know, it's it's achieved the level of societal permeation where it's absolutely the movie your mom saw and got the name just slightly wrong <laughs> when she talked uh, about yeah, it. Yeah, that's true too. Yeah, maybe this is a <laughs> universe where it's the universe of misremembered and mispronounced things being real. Yeah, <laughs> that'd be amazing. Like, there's a I, over there. Um, you know, the one of the big concert draws of the 70s and 80s was Bruce Springsteen, you know, and there's all these, just everything is mispronounced. Yeah, yeah. It's, 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 it actually is the, the Berenstein bears. Indeed, yeah. Not the Berenstein bears. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I forget if it was, it might have been when we had John Rogers on this show. And it might have been when we had uh, Javi uh, Griot Markswatch on another podcast that I do. But they were talking about that exact thing, Jordan, of uh, TV writers getting together and being like, have you done a Die Hard? Have you done a Rashomon? And I love that yeah. now Ratatouille is, <laughs> is one of those. That's great. <laughs> we did one on American Dad. I doubt you ever saw it, Patton. But it was Steve joining the swim team and Klaus the Fish. He would put him in his speedo, and he would do the swimming. Uh, but he'd be swimming around, yeah, down there. Well, and, and now, it. and now there's there's doing a warriors. 
we have that too. Oh yeah, yeah. We're doing warriors. There we go. Doing a warriors. Doing a diehard. Doing a Rashomon. So it's all it's all connected. You take in the influences and you make the things you love. Yep. Uh, which I think is a great uh, summary of Minor Threats and how you have made the thing you love. And it's very clear from reading it that you love this stuff and it makes yeah. it so much fun to read. So if anybody out there uh, has been waiting for the paperback to come out, uh, that is what you're, you're here ostensibly to promote, but it's, uh, I believe out now, right? Or is it, uh, is it coming in the next couple well, of weeks? It, well, depending on when this episode drops, it's Wednesday, July 12th is when it hits the stores. So two days after the release of this episode, oh, okay, folks good. can go to their local comic shop and, and pick it up. There's back matter. There's a whole bunch of um, Scott Hepburn uh, original art sketches and designs as he's figuring out these characters. Some of the main ones, some of the yeah. background ones, um, and all the covers and stuff are are in there. So uh, you get your money's worth for sure. Yeah, the yeah. art stuff in there is even if you've bought the the single issues. Um, having all that art collected in the back is super cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's really, really good stuff in here. You guys were nice enough to send over the uh, the paperback uh, for us to take a look at, and just seeing the sketches and the evolutions of the characters alone is a, a true delight. Uh, uh, the, uh, oh, the layout of the bar in there, the, like Chris loves a cross section. So I love a cross section, and cool. I love a map. <laughs> got all that yeah. 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 All, the, all, all that non-action uh, world building stuff it's in there for sure uh, yeah. and I was going to say you can also pre-order the alternates I believe right now uh, which is yep. our first spin-off um, about a bunch of kind of C-list loser heroes who went over to an alternate reality a vertigo like mature reader reality where they got to kind of be uh, gods and have these existential <laughs> adventures and uh, expand their powers and their minds, and now they've come back to their two-dimensional superhero world in the world of Minor Threats uh, and are having a very hard time getting back to living their normal existence and meeting a support group uh, and then find that there is a street drug that has popped up that is kind of remnants of this alternate reality that are changing reality so it's up to them to either stop it or fall back into their old ways and embrace it yeah there was a time in the late 90s early 2000s i want to say where comics got really really invested in celebrating the weirdos mm-hmm. like yeah. the the weirdo villains have always been there but like the weirdo heroes kind of had their moment there yeah and it's great to see that moment come back around uh well that is oh, no. early vertigo, i love weirdos all early vertigo is like swamp thing animal man shade doom patrol like it's all yeah. the like you can have these i guess no one's touching these if you want to get weird with them you know and then and uh, then yeah. the, the new ones started popping up like the invisibles and stuff like that yes, yes exactly well now that we have now that jordan you remembered to plug the thing that I forgot to ask about the whole time. Uh, <laughs> always, always hustling. No problem. Uh, I think it's time for us to kick it over to our listeners to see if they have any questions for you. Uh, Matt, no. do people want to get in on these conversations that we have each and every week? How exactly can they go about that? 
Well, this part of the show has gotten a lot harder in the past week uh, <laughs> because like 10 social media sites started. Um, but as of now, we are still just taking questions from Twitter as long as it, it continues to exist. And we will always continue to take questions uh, from our Discord server. So head over to at War Rocket Pod on Twitter or uh, ask for an invitation to our Discord server and wait until Thursday night at 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time. That's 6.30 Pacific Time. And uh, that will be your opportunity to ask questions for our guests, just like these questions uh, you're about to hear for Pat Oswalt and Jordan Bloom. And we're going to start with this question from our Discord. Uh, this will come from CJ Crawl, who wants to know, what supervillain would you say is least deserving of their fate? Least deserving of their fate. I'm not sure if that means like what ultimately happens to them once they're yeah, captured and dealt with. The thing, yeah, the thing is, because they're always coming back, so they're not really yeah. like it's that's it for, or is it least deserving of what happened to them to make them a supervillain? I, I I think that's probably the the read. Like who who has a terrible existence as a supervillain that they don't deserve. Yeah. I mean, it's got to be a Batman villain, right? That's the whole point of Batman the Animated Series is to show you each episode why these guys are tragic and sort of likable. Like, I don't know, Mr. Freeze or, uh, you know, Clayface are the immediate ones. Well, a lot of them, there is a disturbing trend of a lot of them are either born with birth defects and then Batman beats them up, or they suffer some kind of accident involving chemicals splashing on them and either scarring them or changing their physiognomy, and then Batman beats them up, which is a little weird. You know, Joker, Two-Face, Clayface, Mr. Freeze, a lot of, um, and then people like Penguin and Killer Croc, birth defects or accidents, and then for some reason that makes them evil. Yeah, Man Bat didn't ask to get punched. <laughs> I mean, okay. Yeah, Man arguably did ask to be turned into a bat, though. So the 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 person that immediately comes to mind for me, it, he's not specifically a Batman villain, but he's in Batman stuff a lot. Is Solomon Grundy? Oh yeah, he's got a trick. Yeah, I mean, he, he was like he was a gambler, and some guys cheated him, and then dumped him in a swamp. Yeah, he's basically he's like if Billy Bats from Goodfellas got superpowers. Like, a bunch of guys beat the crap out of him, stabbed him, dumped him in a hole, and then he came back and started beating everyone up. Yeah, and he never asked to be brought, you know, reanimated. He was happily dead. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know if you guys watched the Stargirl show, but they really leaned into it. There was a point where, like, Our Man would just bring food into the woods for him, and it was like he was kind of like his pet. It was really weird. Wow. There was a weird – there's a weird interpretation of Solomon Grundy on Gotham. Too. Yeah. Yeah. Where he was That's like shocking. this weird kind of chubby guy that, could, that still had super strength. Yeah. 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 Who, like, and he's just like a dude. Yeah. There's there's like another character that's in love with him, and she's trying to she tries to tell him who he used to be, but he doesn't know. It's it's wild. Uh, Matt, can I can I give you my answer? Yeah, please. Armadillo. Poor what did he ever do? What did Armadillo ever do to anybody? He got cucked. He got cucked hard. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah he really got cucked. <laughs> did did not deserve it. Yeah. Poor guy. Yeah. Uzi on Twitter wants uh, simply says, tell me about Crab Louie. I want to know everything. Uh, <laughs> he's he's a member of the alternates. He is uh, a, a kind of uh, 50s monster, like atomic monster, who when he goes over into what's called the ledge and the alternates, he becomes this kind of god of uh, crustaceans and, you know, very kind of like Swamp Thing in the Green, but with all of crustaceans, and he's actually made of tons of crustaceans when he comes back. And uh, he's also kind of a, a struggling dad trying to reconnect with his family uh, after becoming a god in this other universe. Yeah. There you go, Uzi. I hope you got all you needed to know about Crab Louie. That's <laughs> such a good name. Crab Louie. Such a good name. I just reread... Um, the first collection uh, trade paperback of uh, Mark Russell's My Bad, and you talk about amazing um, names. Lion L. Ritchie, and like just the, the character names in that are friggin' fantastic. Uh, he's a genius. Do, do you know about uh, From the Tick? Do, you, do y'all know about Baby Boomerangatang? No, I don't. I know a lot about the no. He's a He's a baby boomer. Dressed as an orangutan who throws <laughs> dolls that come back to him and they explode. So it's every wow. part of the name. Baby orangutan. Crap. That's amazing. Uh, it's <laughs> the, the next logical step after Sarcastro. <laughs> Another great <laughs> character. Uh, um, there was a guy named Matt Beasel back in the late 80s. They did a comic called Cynical Man. He would do these mini comics. And it was, this looks like a job for Cynical Man. Oh, that figures. <laughs> uh, Sorry, Brad man. the Renegade Dope Dog on our Discord wants to know, uh, Pat Oswalt, as the man who wrote the introduction to Grindel versus the Shadow, oh, should boy. Matt and Chris read and discuss on the show the entirety of Matt Wagner's Grindel? Um... Oh, I think that's really worth going. I mean, that whole saga is amazing. That could be a whole side series you guys do. Yeah, I mean, we've been doing big rereads of runs on comics. We, we just, just finished, finished Mark Grunewald's Captain America. And here's the weird thing. I'm a huge Matt Wagner guy, but I've never gotten into Grendel. Like, I'm a huge mage and all of the, the Batman stuff that he's done. Like, I love Mage. It's one of my favorite comics. Wow. But I've never gotten into yeah, Grendel. But, huh, well, then you're lucky. You get to read Grendel for the first time. There's, I think there's three or four big omnibus editions out now that you can sit down and start reading. Patton, where does Grendel rate for you in the Matt Wagner work, body of work? Um, oh, boy. I mean, his his original creations, I, I would put Grendel just a little bit below Mage, um, only that because Mage especially sort of um, uh, predicted um, Unbreakable and stuff like that. And then the, all of his just drop-in work on other people's uh, stuff, like that one issue uh, of the Demon that he did, the Tales, uh, Legend of the Dark Knight Faces about... Two-Face, 
you know, yes. all that stuff was incredible. But there are some, especially um, Grendel Devil's Quest is, uh, um, and, and Matt Wagner's uh, Grendel versus Batman is pretty brilliant. The first one, they're both great, but the first one is brilliant. We've promised to read the Dan Jurgens run on Thor next, but oh. Grendel immediately after that. Yeah, Jurgens is coming. Yeah, that's that's our that's our Dan Jurgens Thor reread. <laughs> this is a question from Hot Spring Summer on our on Twitter. Uh, question for all: favorite noir film of all time? Oh God, I mean. I'm classic, so I would either go back to Henry Hathaway's I Wake Up Screaming with an amazing Laird Krager performance, um, uh, Kurt Syedmak's, uh Phantom Lady with Ella Raines, maybe the most beautiful woman in noir, or if we're going to go more modern, 1961's Blast of Silence, which is a, a blueprint for Taxi Driver, little tiny no-budget movie made by this guy named Alan Barron, um, one of the best, bleakest noirs ever made. Criterion just put an edition out of it, with, and Sean Phillips designed the Blu-ray, the guy who does all of Ed Brubaker's crime stuff, and it is just fabulous. Uh, Hot Spring Summer said that the, that question was a soft lob to talk about Blast of Silence. So. Oh, okay, well, there you go. <laughs> You, you nailed it, Matt. In, you nailed in it. Theaters now three times. I think uh, those are all good warm ups to um, Who Framed Roger Rabbit and Dick Tracy. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's really weird about Who Framed Roger Rabbit? Here's, here's the film nerd. The, um, the third movie that was supposed to be in the Chinatown trilogy, because the first one was about water rights, that's why it was Chinatown. They made that sequel, um, Two Jakes. Uh, the Two Jakes, which is about divorce and, and oil rights. The third one, and he wrote the script, but it was never made. It was called Cloverleaf, and it was about the building of the Los Angeles freeway system and how corrupt that was. And they borrowed a lot of elements of that to make Roger Rabbit. Basically, Roger Rabbit is just Chinatown, but it's it instead of water rights, it's the freeway. Jordan, I think you know this full well. Who Framed Roger Rabbit and the Jim Henson production that I, only I ever saw Dog City are the two biggest influences on my noir <laughs> comic, Pernicus Jones, Robot Detective. Yeah, I mean, they're, that movie's such a gateway to noir because it led me to the stuff that Patton's talking about, you know? Yeah, 100%. For, for people of our generation, like noir parody, I saw noir parody so long before I saw any real noir and um made me love it they made me love the genre uh absolutely yeah chris do you have a favorite noir film uh point blank oh that's a good one. Oh boy john borman friggin lee marvin maybe yeah. that that's still the best on-screen parker of yes all the parker novels that they've done that is i mean it's the first one was the best one I think about that, like, slow-motion shot of him shooting. Uh, like, I think about that every day. <laughs> it's so, God, that movie's so good. Oh, my Lord. So good. Matt, do you have one? I go back and forth on my choice all the time as to what my favorite is. Uh, 
one of my favorites ever and another huge influence on the noir stuff I've done is Double Indemnity, a movie that stars Fred McMurray and is about an insurance agent. Ah. Um, but I think my favorite, and just because it's such a beautiful film, is uh, The Third Man. Oh, boy. That final shot, what do you think? She's going to walk up to James Cotton and she just passes him by and just keeps walking down that row of trees. Holy yeah. moly, was that great. Uh, the chase through the sewers with all the shadows. Oh, yeah. And and uh, Orson Welles' um, first entrance, one, one of the best entrances ever in a movie, yeah. the way he enters. It's just every frame of that movie is, you could frame it in a picture. By the way, Fred McMurray was the... Um, Artist uh, model, I mean, unconsciously for uh, Captain Marvel yep. versus Zam. Yeah, I absolutely see that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the in the early like Golden Age art for Captain Marvel, he he's got the chin, he's got the eyes. It's all yeah. there. And but Alex then, Ross, when, when you read, way. yeah, Alex Ross, absolutely in Kingdom Come, just it's Fred McMurray. It's a young Fred McMurray. Well, guys, we could go on for a lot longer, but uh, we are out of time. So uh, we'll just take this opportunity to let you tell folks where they can find you online. Uh, I think they know where to get Minor Threats and and pre-order the alternates, but uh, this is your last chance to to plug those again, too. You can find me on Twitter at Patton Oswalt, Instagram at Patton Oswalt, Blue Sky, at Patton Oswalt. You can find me on uh, Threads at Patton Oswalt. Tweds. I just joined Tweds. That is at Patton Oswalt Hot 69. Twitter. <laughs> just signed up for Twitter. That's um, at Patton Oswalt um, uh, release, the, release the Jan 6 Heroes. Um, and then I signed up for uh, Glick Warp. Um, uh, Poo Boo. And should I, should I list all the social media platforms I'm on? Hang on. Wait, I'm sorry. They just announced a new one. I'm not, literally, as I'm talking to you, I'm signing up for, for hang on, uh, TwitSky. So I just signed up for Twitch. Oh, and I just signed up for Blue Thread. So hang on. I'm on there, too. All right. There you go. <laughs> uh, I'm on all those, too, as Bloom Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> It's 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 going to be so strange when 50 years from now, kids are going to be learning in history about the great twism of 2023. It's twism. That's hilarious. <laughs> uh, Pat Oswalt, Jordan Bloom, thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks, guys. It's been a blast. It, it is always a pleasure, guys. Thank you so much. Thanks, guys. What a great, fun time. Thank you once again to Jordan Bloom and Pat Oswald, friends of the show, for joining us uh, for a very fun interview. Matt, I had a great time with the show this week. I did, too. I had a blast. And uh, I can't wait to talk to those guys again. I hope we get the opportunity. I also hope so. And with uh, the... I, I wanted to ask them what they call... Like, if they have a name for the world, if it's the, the threat averse. <laughs> uh, 
but as that continues to expand, I, I hope we'll get another chance. Uh, but I think that's about all we've got for the show this week, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us. Hope your summer's going well. Yes, and uh, we'll be back next week with another episode. Maybe we'll rank some raw moments that next is week on the show. Very likely. And uh, I hope we hope you come back for that. If you want to email us something to rank in the Thursday Night Raw segment or in every story ever list, or you want to drop us a line about something else, you can email us at our email address, which is warrocketpodcast at gmail.com. We're also on Tumblr, warrocketpodcast.tumblr.com. We're on Twitter while it still exists at warrocketpod. And uh, maybe we'll start a fucking Threads account. I don't know. Maybe we'll start a Blue Sky account and people can follow us there. I don't know. I'm so tired. <laughs> social me- Talking about social media makes me tired. It's so exhausting. Just But hey, you know what does make me tired? Our Discord. Go sign up for our Discord. Uh, ask us for an invitation on any of those places I just mentioned. And uh, we'll be sure to get you a Discord invitation. And you can go hang out with our cool crew of listeners that hang out over on our discord, the gimmick street gang. That's right. Our website is warrocketajax.com. It has every episode of the show we've ever done. So you can go back and listen to the previous episodes that Patton and Jordan have been on. Warrocketwiki.com is our fan run repository of all the information you could ever need about Warrocket Ajax. So go check that out as well. If you want to find me and my stuff, you can go to mattdwilson.net to find links to everything. My books, my comics, my other podcasts, and my social medias. Chris, where can people find you? Everybody can find me by going to the-isb.com. That is my website. It has links to everything that I do, including plenty of other podcasts to keep you occupied while you wait for the next episode of this one. And that is it for this one, everybody. Thanks a ton for listening and checking it out. Yeah. Uh, In the words of Ahmed Johnson, check it out before I knock you out. And who, if we can't listen to Ahmed Johnson, who can we listen to? I don't listen to anyone but Ahmed Johnson. (sighs) What, What is Ahmed Johnson up to these days? Um, I don't want to go look. It is kind of never a great idea to go see what a pro wrestler is up to now. Yeah, like, there's like a best case scenario that's still not good. (laughs) (laughs) See you next week, everybody. See you next week, everybody. Until then, don't forget, Black Lives Matter. Trans rights are human rights. As are abortion rights. Drag is not a crime. And cops aren't your friends. But we love you. We love you. Yeah!